Father, we thank you so much for this awesome day. And Lord, we thank you. Your word says that your mercies are new every morning and your faithfulness is great. And Father, I don't know if your word says anything about the morning of the first day of the new year, but we'll just multiply that promise that your mercies are new every morning, 365 for this new year of 2023. Lord, as Daniel said, we made it to a new year and we thank you. And we ask Holy Spirit to be our teacher today, to speak to us through your word and that we would make great who is Jesus in his name and his, it's all for your glory, Father. Give me your words to say only what you want and nothing else. And Jesus, bring encouragement, strength, comfort, conviction. May we see you as who you really are. As we look at this, in reality, it's a short passage. It's 308 words in English of how John described you in his gospel. And we ask all these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. And as a couple of already said, Happy New Year 2023. I cannot believe it's 2023. The time goes like this. And the older you get, my mom said, the older you get, the faster the years go. So if you're younger than 50, it's true. If you don't believe me, just wait till you become 51 or 60, 61, 65. The years fly by like that. I've got a couple announcements. The first one is I just want us to give a hand to our worship team. They came here at like 7.38 in the morning to practice. And so, guys, thank you so much. Um, We don't have tons of members on our worship team, but they are mighty and powerful and anointed. So, guys, muchas gracias. And Josh, thank you. Wayne, thank you so much. And Margie, new singer. So thank you so much. Also, today is what we call family worship. There is no child care, not even for itty bitties. And I know we got the kids in here. I always want to be a family-friendly, kid-friendly place. And I always find it very interesting that when Jesus uses the example of faith, who does he pick? The 110-year-old geezer, right? No. He's always picking a little child. So I never want you, if you've got littles, to think like we're shunning you away. But I will say this. Please don't let your kids break the 100-meter track by running all by themselves throughout this building. So try to keep them with you as best you can. We do have treats. We do have coloring books. and We have other things out in the foyer. If they get the preaching really loud, louder than me, where everybody starts looking at your child, take them to the foyer, please. Can you do that? Okay, awesome. So anyway, those are my two announcements for today. I want us to open up John chapter 1. It's the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament right here. And today, technically, we are still in Christmas season. Us Americans, I mean, we love to plan way ahead, get it done, and then move to the next thing. I mean, Valentine's Day commercials are already on TV. I mean, they're already doing commercials for Caribbean cruises and summer vacations. I mean, we had barely finished Christmas. Christmas season is December 25th through January 6th. That's why we intentionally still have the banners on. January 6th is Epiphany. It's the day of celebration for the wise men, the kings. And it's tradition. But it helps us to slow down, not go so fast. We have, it was the Advent wreath with the four Advent candles. Now it's just the Christmas wreath with the Christ candle. Again, it's all symbolic. We worship God with our five senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste. The Lord's Supper, taste and see. Now again, it's symbolic. But we worship God with all of our senses. 
We stand, we sit. We don't kneel in this church, but maybe we should sometimes. Do you see what I'm saying? John chapter 1. This gospel was written by the apostle John. John was probably the youngest of all the 12 apostles. He was the closest apostle to Jesus. He was considered the apostle whom Jesus loved. He was Jesus' best friend. And Jesus revealed more to John than he did to any of the other 12. Even though Peter was the leader. And Peter and Andrew and James and John were kind of that inner circle. It was John who was the closest. His gospel, the gospel of John, if you read all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll read and notice that, man, John's gospel is just different. The other three are called the synoptic gospels, where they're very similar in just the outline of how the gospels flowed. Matthew intentionally wrote to Jewish people to show them that Jesus was the Messiah. Mark's gospel is basically a summary of Peter and Peter's gospel, because Mark wrote for Peter. Luke, who was a traveling ministry companion of Paul, wrote to the Gentiles. And then you have John. John wrote probably 20, 30, maybe even 40 years after the other three gospels were finished, right at the end of the first century. When John wrote this gospel, he was the last living apostle. All the others had been killed and martyred for their faith. And here they're rolling into the next century, 60, 70 years after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. John is an old man, and he writes this gospel, and it's all about Jesus. But before we dive into chapter 1, I have a question or just a quick review. This whole past month in Advent, we've been talking about Jesus is. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace, he's our life, he's our king, he's our message. And that's what we looked at all throughout Christmas. Today, just as pastors, every year, all the campus pastors, we go away for three days in May to plan the sermons for the following year. We spend three days praying, talking, discussing what we think the Lord is laying on our hearts for our congregations. And then we flip and we roll dice and see who wins. No. And we'll spend three days talking and planning about it. And because of this year, and this happened way back in May of 2021, January 1st landed on a Sunday. And we decided it's an open Sunday. Pastors, you can preach whatever you feel the Holy Spirit leading you for your campus. Woodbine, Lachlan, Avenue South, Brentwood Campus, Station Hill, West Franklin, Nolansville, Harpeth Heights. And so as I was praying about today, January 1st, you know what? To wrap up the entire Advent Christmas season, the title for today is just Jesus Is. Based out of John chapter 1, Jesus is. Is what? Here's my question for you. I would love for you to think of your best childhood friend. And if you are a teenager, a little child, Who is your best friend? But think of your best friend as you're growing up as a little child. Think about that person. How would you describe your best friend as a child? Think about today, your best friend today. How would you describe that person today? 
How would you describe your best friend today? If you had to tell people who never met your best friend, what would you say about them? Qualities, attributes, what they like, what they don't like, what they look like, what they don't look like, what they like to eat, what, they like, what type of music. How would you describe your best friend? Think about it. Jesus and John were best friends. If you do a Google search about just Jesus Christ, you'll get over 395 million results if you just Google Jesus. If you do Donald Trump, it's like 700 million. Weird, huh? If you do Hitler, it's like 400 million. So Jesus doesn't have the most on the internet and Google. But think about it. If you do a search on Google for Jesus, it's almost 400 million articles, pictures, videos, things written about Jesus. Some of it's true, a lot of it isn't. Right here in John chapter 1, 1 through verse 1 through 18, in this version, the Christian Standard Version, there are 308 words. There are 308 words in these 18 verses. Going back to the question, how would you describe your best friend? And you only have 308 words to use. How would you describe them? Now think about this. How would you describe Jesus? And you only have 308 words to do it. How would you describe Jesus? What would you do? Let's stand. We're going to read this passage again because it's worth it. And Kate, thank you for reading. John chapter 1, verses 1, 1 through 18. This, remember, this is Jesus' best friend, and this is how he describes Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is John the Baptist, not John the Apostle, okay? There's lots of Johns in the Bible, so don't get confused. He, John the Baptist, came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but the light came to testify, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children to God, of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but to God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we all have received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God 
and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Okay, you all may be seated. Homework for this week, Mary, is to read this passage over and over and over. If you've got several different versions of the Bible in your house, read it in other versions, whether it's NIV, King James, New King James, CSV, ESV, NTSV. There's a bunch. New Living Translation, Old Living Translation, Revised Standard Translation, New American Standard. There's tons of different versions. Amplify version, right, Bill? That's yours. Read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. And 308 words right here. John, and I counted them. You could probably count them all. And I started to go A, B, C, D, F, G, but I went 1 through 24. I can find 24 different descriptions of who Jesus is in this one little passage. We're going to kind of do a quick overfly, fly over, like you fly over a Sydney airplane. We're not going to go down into the very depths of each one of these. But these are some of the things, and they'll be on your screen, of how John described Jesus. How would you describe Jesus? Well, this is the way John did. He is in the beginning. He is the word. He is with God, and he is God. And I put an asterisk beside God right there because he says it about three different times. This is how John, the best friend of Jesus here on earth, is describing his best friend. He was in the beginning. He was the word. He was with God. And he was, is God. With God. He was with God in the beginning. He is the creator of all things. Say all. Say everything. Everything, both seen and unseen. Paul talks about that in Colossians. He is the creator of all things. Jesus is also life. He is the light of men. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He overcomes the darkness. He is the light that came into the the world. Jesus is also in the world. He was not recognized by the world when he came. He was rejected by his own people. He's also the adopter of the children of God. And we'll look at some of these things. But it is through Jesus that God adopts us. So adopter might be a made-up word. It might be a dugism. I'm known for doing that both in English and Spanish. Jesus is also human. He dwells among us. He is full of glory. He is full of grace and truth. He's also the giver of grace and truth. He's greater than John the Baptist. And John was described as the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. Now you might be thinking, well, John the Baptist, how's he an Old Testament prophet? Isn't he in the New Testament? Well, he's in the New Testament, but he was a prophet of the Old Covenant because see, the Old Covenant didn't finish until Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death. He overcame death and he started the new covenant. So John the Baptist was a prophet, the last and greatest old covenant prophet. And yet Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. 
Jesus is the one and only son. The Greek, and it's described three different times in this passage as the one and only son. Jesus is the unique one. He's the only one. We who believe in Jesus were sons and daughters of the father, but not in the same way as Jesus is the son of the father. There's an eternal difference. Jesus is at the Father's side. Jesus revealed the Father. These are 24 different descriptions of how John, the Apostle John, described his best friend. We're going to start back over at the beginning of these. How did John describe Jesus? He described him that he was there in the beginning. Not the biggest inning in baseball. But when John wrote this gospel, in the beginning... A well-read, studied Jewish man. Carolyn finally got that joke. She just got it about the beginning. When any good religious Jew would read in the beginning, where and what are they thinking about? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. John is making it very clear who Jesus is. He's God. He's God in the flesh. It's one of the greatest stumbling blocks for those who are of the Muslim faith to accept. How could Jesus be God when he's a man? Jesus is God. That's the very thing. That's the very first thing that John the Apostle is saying. You want to know about my best friend? Well, first of all, he was there in the beginning. He's the word. He was with God and he is God. He is God in the flesh. He continues, he was with God in the beginning. Now see, a lot of this is Trinitarian. And Chris, go ahead and flip over because I can't see the yellow print. He was with God in the beginning. And you begin to see the Trinity here, Father and Son. You see, the Father created all things through the Son, the eternal Son, who was revealed to us as Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of the Father. And he always has been, he always will be. And it's through Jesus that God the Father created all things. And if you don't quite understand how that all works, don't worry. When you get to heaven, you'll be like, oh, I get it. Because you'll see him for who he is. And we'll bow at his feet and we'll worship him forever because he's utterly, totally amazing. You see, Jesus is the creator of all things. He is life. He is the light of man. He's the light that shines in the darkness. He's the light where darkness has not overcome him. He is in the world. His own did not recognize him. His own people rejected him. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe put on flesh and blood. We just celebrated at Christmas time. And his very own people, the Jewish people, did not recognize him for who he was, and they rejected him. If you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been excluded, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He is the adopter for all of us who believe in him to become sons and daughters of God. You see, there's a major misconception that people think that, well, everyone's a child of God, right? No. Every human has been created in God's image. 
We're unique and we're each distinct and every human is of infinite value because we've been created in God's image. But you only become a son or daughter of the Father when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus. He, the Father, adopts us because Jesus, his Son, paid the price, shed his blood on the cross for our sins, opening the way for our adoption to return back to the Father as a son and as a daughter, not as a slave, not as a measly servant, but as a son or daughter. It's powerful. John continues as he says, he's human. A good friend of mine asked me before the service, Doug, we need to go get tacos or coffee. I'm telling you all the time, I love to eat. I love to drink coffee. Very few of you take me up on the, on the invite. If you invite me out, I'll pay for it and we'll have a great conversation. He's like, how is it that Jesus shares our human nature and yet was without sin? It'll take about three hours of good coffee and a good burger to explain all that, right? Jesus is human, just like you, just like me, tempted and tried in every way, yet without sin. He dwells, and John says here, he dwelt among us. And that's where John's getting really personal. And John shares in the first letter, John, of 1 John, he's like, we write to you what we've seen what we've heard, what we've touched. We ate with him. We lived with him. And we're proclaiming to you the author of life, and his name is Jesus. John alludes to it right here. He dwelt among us, and he's full of glory, the glory of the Father. He's full of grace and truth. In fact, he's the giver of grace and truth. There's a phrase that was coined by one of my professors in college. All truth is God's truth. Every ounce of truth that's in the universe is God's truth. And it all flows out of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the truth. And everyone who believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior, he gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. And when we abide in Jesus, his truth will flow in us, through us, and out of us. There's no deceit in Jesus. There's no lies. There's no half-truths. When it says that he's light, that means he's pure, and he's good, and he's perfect, and he's righteous. He's wonderful. John then goes on to say, look, he's greater than John the Baptist. And everybody for us, it's like, oh, okay. Because we didn't know John the Baptist. We didn't see this man, John the Baptist, where tens of thousands of people flocked to him and were baptized by him. And yet John said, there's someone coming after me who's far greater. And in Luke and in Matthew, John the Baptist even said, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's that great. That's how great Jesus is. And John continues, and he says, the one and only Son. He declares in verse 18, no one has seen God except the one and only Son, who is God himself. He has revealed him. If you want to know God, 
If you want to know who God is, if you want to experience who God is, you've got to look to Jesus and know Jesus. Jesus is the revealer of who God is. If you want to know how Jesus, how God treats sinners, look at Jesus. If you want to see the power of God to heal physically, emotionally, spiritually, communally, look at how Jesus healed. If you want to know how God transforms lives, look to see what Jesus did in the Gospels, and he still does it today. It's impossible to know God without knowing Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. The only person who Jesus was hard on, we say in Spanish, duro, duro hard, or the arrogant. Scripture is very clear. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Look at how Jesus treated the Pharisees. They were arrogant. And I'll be honest with all of us, including myself, we do not have to be a religious zealot to be arrogant. Some of the most arrogant people I know on the planet that I know personally are very poor financially. Some of the humblest people I know are wealthy. I can also say vice versa. Some of the most arrogant people I know are wealthy. And some of the most humblest, and that's terrible English right there, people I know are poor financially. Arrogance and humility have very little to do with our financial situation. Yet it is hard for wealthy people sometimes to humble themselves because they trust in their own wealth. So may we not make that mistake by thinking that poor people are humble and wealthy people are arrogant. Arrogance and humility flow from what's inside. Jesus opposes the proud, but he gives incredible grace to the humble. My prayer for us is that we walk in humility. We live in humility. There is so much here, and this is what I said earlier, Mary homework, and I'm always picking on Mary Barnes, but this is for everybody. I want to encourage you to read and meditate on this passage this week. You probably have seen posters around the building from time to time that say 365-15-11. What does that mean? For most Americans or North Americans who read, speak English and read English, if we were to read the Bible 365 days out of the year, which is a whole year, and only spend 15 minutes reading the Bible every day, we would read the whole Bible in one year. The average American will spend anywhere from three and a half hours to six hours on their devices, phone, iPod, computer, for personal reasons, not counting work. 
And most of us say, I don't have time to read my Bible. And yet we'll spend three to six hours a day on our devices for personal stuff, basically doing this. I want to challenge all of us. It's a new year. Most of us usually make resolutions. I've made one, can you tell? Of losing weight, getting back in shape. I'm going to start reading the Bible again. And after a week or two, we kind of go back to the old habits. It's hard. It's hard. But I want to encourage all of us today to make that commitment. No, I really need to read God's Word. You see, we, we read the written Word to encounter the living Word. And if you read for five days and then miss a week, and then you get back on the horse, you read two days and then miss three days, don't beat yourself up with a lot of unnecessary shame. It's a relationship. Don't kill yourself with the shoulda, couldas. I should, I should, I should. But I do want to encourage all of us. Take 15 minutes a day. Read a chapter, one chapter a day. And then in a little journal book, write down one verse out of what you read. And then write one paragraph, why and how that verse speaks to you. 365, 15, 1, 1. 365 days out of the year, 15 minutes a day, one chapter, one verse. Why? I guarantee you, if you're to do that for a year, your walk with Jesus will be radically different a year from today. If you humble yourself, allowing the Lord Jesus to speak to you through his written word, allowing Holy Spirit to minister to you, you'll be radically different. In closing, I asked the question at the very beginning. How would you describe your best friend? John described his best friend in the entire gospel. But right here in chapter 1, he used 308 English words he wrote in Greek. We've translated to English. Some of the most incredible descriptions of who Jesus is. My challenge for you today is this. How is Holy Spirit speaking to you through this passage? If you had 308 words, and maybe, Mary, this is more homework. If you had 308 words to describe Jesus, how would you describe Jesus in 308 words? Try it this week. How would you describe Jesus? What would you say? And I want to invite all of us to stand up. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I, have, I want to share part of a sermon, and I've done this in the past. There was a pastor. He pastored Second Baptist Church of San Diego for years. He's with Jesus now. His name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, an African-American pastor. He preached a sermon years ago called Amen. It's over an hour long. You can listen to it on YouTube. You'll find if you scroll Amen sermon by Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, tons of stuff will come up because people have taken music and done all kinds of videos to part of this sermon. But the whole sermon is almost an hour. And in that sermon, there was a section kind of towards the end that has been labeled, My King. 
And I want to read this section of the sermon. It'll be on the screen. I'll try not. And I stepped on all kinds of stuff here, Daniel. I didn't mess anything up. I hope I don't. I will not read this the way Brother Shadrach preached it. I don't even want to try. Because the way he preached it, anointed by Holy Spirit, 20-something years ago when he preached it, it's powerful. But this is how our dear brother described Jesus. My king was born king. The Bible says that he is a seven-way king. He is the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of glory. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Mislead me. Do you know my king? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there is no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea of literature. He's the highest personality of philosophy. He's the supreme problem and higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the coronal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. Think about that. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is the key of knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway of glory. He is the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He is the leader of the legislature. He is the overseer of the overcomers. He is the governor of governors. He is the prince of princes, and he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. That's my king. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. 
His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heavens of heavens can't contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him off of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimony to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been and always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king. Praise the Lord. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king. We're around here talking about black power and white power and green power, but it's God's power. Thine is the power and the glory. We're trying to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but the glory is all his. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers, amen. That is our king. As we close, let's worship Jesus for who he is.